Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Romantic Truth Podcast. Please be advised that the content of this show is for mature audiences 18 and over due to the topics discussed. Please feel free to follow and like Romantic Truth on Facebook at facebook.com slash romantic truth. You may also listen to the podcast on anchor.fm slash romantic truth. Now, here is your host Jawson. Let's talk about the making of an irresponsible father. Where does it start? Because a lot of you ladies have asked this question. How do all of these men grow up and they're not responsible? Now, the quick answer is a lot of them grow up in single-parent homes. But let's just look at the circumstances involving that. A lot of these men are given responsibility at an early age. And that responsibility is to serve and protect the family. Well, the mother can only go by what she experienced, maybe from a father if she was lucky, or some other male figure, to project that onto this young man if there's no man in the household. Or maybe by some influences that she has around them. Now, there are some mothers that actually just form their kids out to maybe a pastor or somebody else in order to try to be the influencer around them. Others don't even go to that level. They may go to brothers, cousins, or someone else. Then there are others that may just go for boyfriends. Then there are others that just let the young man go on his own. A lot of times these men who go on their own, the latter, these men wind up constructing their own image of manhood. And a lot of times it misses a lot of components that are essential for a man to be responsible, to be accountable. And again, because in America, people think of facts sometimes as excuses. This is not an excuse, this is a fact. A lot of these men will grow up not really having someone to model themselves after in a positive way. And what happens, they become influenced by guys that are telling them, man, that's her responsibility, she get pregnant. And they take that and they live by that because they look up to this person that told them that. And that person may not be a socially acceptable person for, under most circumstances. Person could very well be Someone who got locked up, who has a whole string of kids around, doesn't take care of any one of them. But the thing is, this young man is impressed because of all these women this guy slept with. Especially if this young man has never had sex before. And so he thinks that that's some kind of merit, some kind of reward, to have that kind of reputation, that kind of resume, so to speak. And so he takes that and he runs with it. And he grows up just like that other guy did. And it becomes very generational. And you ladies get with these guys because he's also admiring the fact that this guy 
does certain things, dresses a certain way, has the swag, carries himself a certain way, emulating this other fellow. And so therefore, that's his identity. He goes to you, you're impressed by him because of all the things he learned, you sleep with him, you get pregnant by him, and then you realize that you're dealing with a paper tiger. You're dealing with a guy that really didn't have an identity, and you're dealing with a guy that doesn't even know who he is yet, and yet he's supposed to bring somebody in this world and try to raise them. So he only uses the tools that he has. And what's one of those tools? Fleeing, leaving, a defense mechanism. He may go back to mom and say, mom, that ain't my kid. She's saying that she's pregnant. I don't know what the hell happened. Now, a responsible mother would say, well, you know what? You may not know what the hell happened, but guess what you have to do? You got to be a responsible man. So now you're in the manhood. So that means that I'm going to be putting a foot in your ass to support that child. And you're going to get a job. And those future careers about going to become a rapper, an NBA player, all that shit's on hold. Right now, it's about you focusing on that child. But mom, I don't get along with it. Tough shit. Learn how to get along with it. You guys need to start working together. That's what responsible mothers do. They hold their sons accountable. Now, they're permissive moms. Coddlers. That baby don't it won't look nothing like you. You couldn't have gotten that girl pregnant because you 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 was you weren't even seeing her at that time when he was. Mom is deflecting, making up excuses for her boy. The reason being, in some cases, that young man is out there slinging drugs, making money for mom, paying the light bill, paying the rent, taking care of the house. He's in some ways the associate breadwinner in the house, if not the breadwinner. So, of course, she's going to protect her best interest. And her best interest is that boy going out there bringing that money home every, every day. So, naturally, she's going to defend him. And she's going to make you, the pregnant mom, the villain. You tricked her son. You lured him into this. And God help you if you're an older woman. She's going to come up with all the bells and whistles on that. Because she's going to defend him. Every fuck-up that this kid made throughout his life, She's got an answer for it. She's got an excuse for it. And he may try to act all hard in the streets and everything and all hard around the girl, you, the mother of the child. But if he had to face responsibility such as going to jail for a crime, he ain't so tough and bad at that point because he knows that there's somebody out there that can whoop his ass. So what happens, this insecure individual tries to figure out a way where he can get away from his responsibility. And like I said, the first choice for many of them is fleeing. There was one lady who wrote me last year. And what had happened, she strongly believed that her son was not the father of that child. Supported him, left and right. They finally had a DNA test done and come to find out he was the father. Well, the mother 
was still coddled the son. And so what she did, she paid the child support payments for him so he wouldn't go to jail. He was pursuing a rap career at age 19. Didn't want to work, wanted to go and just focus on his rap music. Now, let me just let you know something. A lot of these artists that you see who try to say that they come from nothing, a lot of the people who try to, the publicists who try to lie for them and say that they started out with just an idea and a song and their guitar or their piano, what they don't tell you is a lot of these people had a family of means to support them so that they could pursue that career solely. It wasn't a situation where they shirked responsibilities because many of them didn't have them. They didn't have a baby to take care of. They were pretty well off. Where you see struggling musicians, like I used to see in Los Angeles and Hollywood all the time, walking around with their guitars and everything, trying to get a jam session with a group, see if they could get in. And yet they had to leave there and go and work. Wait tables, drive taxis, whatever it took in order to make it. You look at the band Boston. Many of you don't know this, an old rock and roll band. At one point they were living out of their car. But these men, the responsibilities they did have, they made sure they took care of them. It would be nice if you could just go into a world of make-believe and when you made mistakes, they were just forgiven. But sometimes you have to be accountable. And as you mature as a man, you're accountable for every decision and everything you do, just like a woman is. And these women are stuck with the burden of rearing those children. And if you're any kind of a man, the one thing you don't want is for your young man or your young daughter to wind up insecure like you were, to pass on that legacy of insecurity, where they will do the same mistakes, make the same mistakes you have made. Like some of these young girls who did not get love when they were growing up from their mother or from their father. And what they sought to do was just to go out and have a baby, to have something that would love them back like they loved their parents. And that's the reason why many of these young ladies are not so eager to go after the man for child support. Because some of them, they wanted the baby, didn't want the man. That's the problem that we had in the 1990s for damn sure. I used to run into women like this 24-7. They didn't need the man. They had what they want was the baby. And then after that kid started growing up, they realized that they're going to leave. Oh shit, I'm going to be alone again with nobody to love me. And then they start to track to find a man. Somebody's going to be with them, someone that's going to love them. And these are the very same women that make all these high demands on men. Because they chose to make that decision back then. And they would talk about how the guy ain't shit, how he didn't do this, he didn't do that. 
And I used to always tell him, okay, we know what he wasn't about, but what were you about? Because apparently you were with him at some point. So if he ain't shit, you got to not be shit either. Why would you say that? And it's because of one thing. At some point, you guys had a nexus where the two of you agreed at some point to be together. And being together comes with responsibilities. That's the basis of relationships. You share the risk equally. The benefits and the risk. And there are a lot of risk involved in a relationship. You're dealing with the situation that that person's bringing to you. You're dealing with the behavior of that person. You're dealing with the character of that person in the background. And you're also dealing again with that X factor that you don't know about that person just yet. What's interesting, when I would date some of the women who were single moms, I would ask them how long did they date their boyfriends or how long they known them. And back then, a lot of those women knew the guy that they were with less than 90 days. It was all about getting busy. And they would always say, oh, well, you know, I was young when I was only 14 or 15 when I got pregnant by him. And I, you know, I... And then you would see this woman's in her 30s and she's got 19-year-old daughters with kids. I told her, you know, I don't know what the hell she's doing, but I told her everything in the world that was wrong with that because I went through it. And a lot of you ladies get frustrated because you see that perpetual legacy continuing. You see it in some of your sons. Because you got with an irresponsible man and later on you find out your son got a girl pregnant, don't want to pay child support, don't want to work because he's pursuing another career. He wants to be an NBA star. He wants to be a rapper. He wants to be this or that. And you're looking at your son and you say, you ain't shit just like your daddy. And sometimes it doesn't start after he has that child. Sometimes it starts when that man that you had that baby by, that you wanted so badly, didn't act right in that relationship. And so the vehicle that you use to channel your anger is that child. By telling him, you ain't shit just like your daddy at a young age. And the young man feels as though, well, okay, mom say I ain't shit. I'm gonna prove her wrong. And so everything you try to tell him to do constructively, he's not listening to you anymore because you've already ruined your credibility with him. So he's listening to the people in the streets. He's listening to everybody but you. You rejected him as he sees it. You don't love him as he sees it. You're ridiculing him as he sees it. And even though you were in a fit of anger at his father, you belched out that that lasts with him into adulthood. And so he grows up treating women like they don't exist, treating women just like they're nothing. And you wonder why, but yet he comes back to you and he's cordial around you and he calls you mama and he respects you in that context, but that's only paper thin. But yet 
he's dogging out the girl he got pregnant. He's dogging out the girl he's living with. And more than likely, she's carrying him, taking care of him, paying the bills, having the apartment, got the good credit because he didn't fucked up along the way. And of course, many of the moms become pompous. Oh, he's a grown ass man. I ain't responsible for that. He can blame it on his childhood. He can't blame it on me. That is the dialogue of the Teflon mom. I met a lady years ago and very attractive woman. At the time, she had no children. Back in the mid-90s, around 95, 96. I wasn't manly enough for her. She was looking for a guy with a bald head and a big bulging muscles. Because Tyrese was a big thing back then. That's what she was looking for. Oh, she found plenty of Tyrese's. Guys that looked like him physically. But they weren't responsible. She had three kids by three different men. All three of her sons wound up in prison where they are today. Occasionally on Facebook, she wants me to pray for her sons. Are you single? She asks a lot of times. Maybe we should get together and have dinner one evening. I'm coming to Vegas. Come on to Vegas. The Strip has plenty of hotels and casinos and restaurants. I won't be in any of them. She made her choice. And this is what happens when we don't think about the impact, long-term impact of what we do. It happens with all of us, whether you're a man or a woman. And this is just something to think about. Being as though I am a 10 on every consonant, I am extremely attractive to a lot of men. I always have been, always will be, but it's not something that I always took pride in because I was like, it is so easy to get these dudes to be up in my face. But what I couldn't seem to do is to make sure that every single man I was with felt deeply in love with me. A lot of women feel this pressure. They so desperately want men to fall in love with them. And let me explain something to you about men, sweetheart. Men don't fall in love with you because you're sexy and you're beautiful. They fall in love with you because they trust you. They fall in love with you because you're loyal. Not because of that. What? Denied. Ladies, this is what not to do if you're female talking about talking to a man. She classified herself as a 10 on every continent. So what this tells you right here is that her pergamy thing, she's put herself on a pedestal. No man worth his salt in his right mind would even think about falling in love with a lady like this. And yet she's trying to peer down on those women who think that their vagina and sex is the thing that's going to attract a man. She talks about trust. 
This would be the last woman a man would even think about trusting based on her statement. Don't get it twisted, ladies. This is not the way to go. Having an ego, tearing down other women, and then putting yourself on this pedestal as if men are supposed to bow down to you is not the answer. She's got it wrong. And people who are like this, they usually say, hey, they haven't met a guy that meets their standards. Here's the thing. The guys that are interested in her more than likely want to have sex with her to break down that hyper-mystic ego that she has. Outside of that, there is no reason for a guy to take her seriously for a relationship. She's not an investment. She's an expense. This is what I talk about in this kind of example. Just be mindful. Your mouth, your words will always determine how someone treats you and how someone will respond. Just saying. because we are not paying attention to their needs. And they're never going to tell you this because men aren't as vocal as we are. So they suffer in silence because they know that you're either going to not be able to handle it or you're going to react from a place of emotion, just like women do. So at the end of the day, ladies, it's up to us to pay attention to our men. The same way that we have needs and desires and wants, so do they. It should not be happy wife, happy life. It should be happy spouse, happy house, because there are two people in this house that deserve love and to be happy. It should not ever just be about one person. So ladies, the same way we want loyalty, we want them to compliment us. We want them to buy us gifts. We want to know that we're on their mind, vice versa. Flip it all around. What you are wanting to get, Give it back to him the same way. Also, ladies, men don't like to always be the initiator of sex. Sometimes you should initiate it. He want to know that you find him sexy too. It goes both ways, ladies. Jordan, you need some pussy. I fully agree on both accounts. She said it best. Ladies, yes, it's okay for you to initiate. It's okay for you to go and make the first move. And it's okay to definitely initiate in sex. It's no problem there at all. I think that what has happened, our traditions have bound us into these normal roles. And that's where we get stuck. You want equal rights? You want equality? Demand your dick, ladies. That's what I say. Be proud. Stand your ground. That's right. Take matters into your own hands. But also be gentle because some of y'all walk around and grab a dick like it's a trailer hitch and you're trying to guide us around like we are some kind of damn trailer. Look, for those of you ladies who don't really know about dick handling. Let me tell you something. Some of you think that the penis is just like a vibrator or a dildo. It's a hard plastic object or it's one of these uh, flesh uh, uh, textured objects and it's not. It's very gentle. 
Now, when we get hard, oh, of course, you know, we might not feel it at the time. Hell, I used to bang mine against the wall before I had sex. But the thing I'm getting at is this. We are kinder, gentler man. We're not weak. We're not a pussy. We're not a pushover or anything like that. But when it comes down to that, we need a little sensitivity and a little love. Share that love today. Um, you hit from the back, beating my shit in. I asked you why I feel like that. You said feel like what? I tell you meat to meat. You said you took the rubber off. So I'm throwing it back even harder. You tell me you about the nut, so I'm throwing it back even harder. You got the one hand on the neck. One thumb in ass, hitting my shit, beating it the fuck in. Now you nut, you leave the money on the dresser for it, plan B. Two days later, you calling my phone, asking me, did I take take what? I left the money on the dresser for the plan, plan what? You told me to go get my nails done, babe. That's what I heard you say. Holy shit, 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 shit. Now, fellas, this is miscommunication 101. If you ever do what this young lady described, you're a damn fool, you're asking to become a daddy when you don't want to. Only a fool would do what she describes a man doing. I don't care how good the pussy is, don't take off that rubber unless you plan on becoming a father. Secondly, don't insinuate or imply just because you left money on the table that she was supposed to get a plan B. Because she probably would take that money as she said and spend it on nails, shopping, or something else. You guys have to reach an agreement before you start hitting that nookie. I'm just telling you, fellas, because some of you right now are getting ready to go to jail. Others of you just got out because of child support. You didn't want the kid, you didn't know the girl that well, and now you're stuck as a dad, whether you like it or not. This happens more frequently than you think. I hear a lot of people talk about the condom busted and all that. That may happen every once in a while, provided how long the guy kept the damn condom in his wallet. I tell you once again, change that sucker out about every 30 days just to be safe. Don't walk around with the same condom in your back pocket for two or three years like some people do. It's not the company's fault that the condom didn't hold up after that time. It's your fault for not checking. It would be your fault for letting that rubber come off. And here's another thing, fellas, I always tell you, an old trick that women used to use. They'd act like they repositioned your dick inside of them, and they'd move around and squirm around. And while they're doing that, they'll cup it real hard so you think you still in there and she's trying to put you deeper inside of her but what she's doing is sliding that rubber off to get it off the tip so that when you do go oh you feeling it then and then after you nut you start to realize wait a minute something ain't quite right here I don't feel nothing around my shit and at that point Welcome to fatherhood. Good possibility will you be there. And then what you're going to try to do? 
talk to her about an abortion. Think about it if you're in Texas. Good luck with that shit now, right? Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, Georgia, Florida, for that matter. What you need to start doing is really thinking. Because I'm going to tell you, once you become a dad and you're not expecting to become one, that responsibility is like a bulldozer just plowing all over you. And a lot of you know damn well you're not in the financial position, the mental position, or the emotional position to be a father. You just want a piece of ass, just like this young lady described. Kudos, young lady, for bringing things up that men should be aware of. She's already aware of it. What she's trying to do is to make you, young men, aware of the situation that you're getting into. Ladies, there's one thing that I want to convey to you. Guys as well. The criticism that I display on this show is designed to motivate you to do better and to think things through for your own benefit. This is not a personal indictment on anyone. Even the people that I talk about that I know personally, and I know a hell of a lot of folks. Because the thing is, it's about you having a better life and constructively putting your life together so that you don't have to face many of the obstacles many of us have faced. That's what it's about. Because here's the thing. It's like that old adage Man fell into a sinkhole. Pastor walked by and said, maybe you didn't pray enough. A wealthy man walked past and said, maybe you didn't invest enough. A teacher walked past and said, maybe you didn't study hard enough. One of his friends walked by and said, man, Maybe you just weren't good enough. And this total stranger stops at the edge of the pit and he looks down. And the man looked up and he said, what do you got to say? He said, let me come down there with you. And he jumps into the pit. And he said, fool, what the hell are you doing? Why are you jumping this pit with me? We both stuck now. You were going to be able to give me a line, give me a rope, give me a ladder or something to get out. And he said, are you done? He said, yeah. He said, good. Let me show you the tunnel to get out of this pit. Sometimes, folks, that's what it comes down to. Some of the very people in life that you depend on, that you trust, that you believe in, may wind up being some of the people that you may have to avoid some of their characteristics in order to just survive in. There are some kids right now surviving in households, can't wait to get out. Not because they're errant teens, not because they're angry, not because 
they are just bad kids. It's because they are under bad circumstances in bad situations. And that amplifies their behavior. We're good at putting labels on kids a lot of times as being bad. But sometimes we need to look at the origin of that behavior. And a lot of times it comes to the parents. But see, the one thing you got to remember that's sacred in our society, we cannot criticize people for parenting skills or lack thereof. To see a kid throw a tantrum in the dollar store and knock down shelves and shelves of candy because the parent won't buy him a sucker. And the parent just goes and whoops their asses right there in front of everybody and the kid's crying. And nobody says a word. As many people don't, because it's not their business. And so what happens? If that's happening out in public, I can only imagine what's happening at home. But that's their parent, and their parent dictates how that kid will have their lives under their roof. So when that kid comes out later on in life as an adult, the trauma and all of the experiences that kid had didn't go away, it's manifested itself into an adult. And instead of them crying and throwing a tantrum in the store, a cop pulls them over later and they start becoming belligerent with the cop. Why you pull me over? We see your ID registration and driver's like, man, fuck you, I ain't showing you nothing. Sir, could you get out of the car? Why should I? Because I said so. Oh, just like my mama told me because she said so, right? Man, go somewhere. How quickly can an altercation come from that exchange? We look at a lot of these cases, and a lot of you are going to get pissed at me for what I'm about to say. I've watched many of the file videos from the body cams of these police officers. And it's not that I'm choosing one side or the other, but one thing I will tell you that is the truth. Some of these guys, unfortunately, are driving around with warrants, stolen cars, expired license plates. Any reason to give a cop who may not be the fairest person in the world, they might have had a bad day or they just might not like people of your race give them cause to pull you over and then with you being belligerent you escalate the situation now you have a shooting on your hands or you start to run and that cop is like shit I'm not running after him I'm just going to shoot him especially if you had a gun what it comes down to folks What's missing is that talk that fathers used to have with their sons about how to conduct themselves, how to deal with adverse situations, how to control it. 
where parents didn't fight in front of their kids. The father and the mother would go into another room and have a talk under a normal tone about their disagreement. For the sake of the children, they wouldn't act out. Because they know good and well if they bring trauma, that kid's going to think that that's a way for conflict resolution, is confrontation. You get a young man out there who's insecure and he feels as though he has to prove himself and be heard because he wasn't heard around his mom and dad when he was growing up, if he had a dad in the house. And mom told him everything to do. And he's confronted by a female officer who's probably scared herself because maybe of his size, of his race, and of the stereotype. She's quick to draw her weapon. She's quick to fire at him. These things you have to consider. The woman in Baltimore who called the cops on her husband because they had an argument. Lied and said that he had hit her when, she di when he didn't. They didn't find any abrasions on her or anything. And she just wanted him arrested. Only to find out this man had an outstanding warrant. He made a run for it. The cops chased him. Eventually they shot him. One of the officers claimed that he thought he had a gun. Didn't have to happen. See, where a lot of these black men especially are confused in the hood is this. You call the cops on me when you're mad. But yet, you're damning the cops when they do their job. Whether it's to lock me up or kill me. That's where a lot of these black men look at it now. Some of these extremists, and when I say extremists, I'm talking about MGTOW people. Some of them feel as though women have turned against them. And that it's an actual gender war. Some of them are concerned about the changes that are taking place with the laws and with the child support laws and those kind of things. And they're upset, and some of the anger is misdirected because they're looking at women as being the cause of it, instead of looking at who set the laws in this country. White men, for the most part. And what they need to start looking at is the fact that these politicians are the ones who are going out pushing this legislation to get reelected, whether it's for child support, abortion, or whatever. And these men sit in the wake of those decisions, and they're angry. And they're lashing out at the least common denominator, which is the woman. The woman only gets the power from those politicians that give, the, give it to them. And we have to come to grips with that. The people can vote someone in. She could be female. She could have these ideas. But yet, look at what she's pitted against a lot of times. A lot of people that are into the way things already exist. 
many of you ladies face this in the corporate world. You're trying to climb the ladder, you're doing the right thing, you're dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's, and you still have a glass ceiling, knowing that it's not equal. When it comes down to equal pay, equal opportunities, and everything else. Because there's a segment in our population who are fluent and who love seeing people go at each other like crabs in a barrel. And it's not based on race. It's based on class. See, we're still stuck on race at the lower echelons of society. We're still stuck on gender. Folks, it's deeper than that. One thing to remember, if you don't remember anything else, when laws are made, they're made with a caveat for those who have means in order to get away from the charges. Haven't you ever noticed wealthier people have to show up to go to federal prison? (laughs) And what happened with poor people? They rack your ass in there. They take you in. A wealthy guy can go to his attorney and his attorney can negotiate when he's going to turn himself in. That is what's unfair in our society. And when we get to the point that we can level the playing field there when it comes down to this classism thing because we're used to racism. Classism is far worse because no matter how you're trying to climb the, try to climb the ladder of race, you got to remember, even white folks who are racist are discriminated against wealthy white folks that don't want to have nothing to do with them. They want them on that same level as the other people they despise. And they're fighting over scraps. They're fighting over jobs. They're talking about affirmative action. They talk about all these other things, how the welfare queens are taking money and all this other crap just to keep the fight going. You look at the YouTube channel now. What have they done to it? It's been weaponized. Black people are fighting against black people, men against women, and going out there and talking all this mess about killing each other and hurting each other, doxing each other, putting all personal information out there on the individuals. For what? While the people who invest in Google and other companies go right along like there are no social problems. That's their problem. Those people on that lower rung. Doesn't matter whether you're black, white, male, female, Asian, Latin, Hispanic. It's all the same. They put us all in that same cauldron. And that's what we have to face. That's what we have to look at. How we treat each other is going to be important. For us to get our shit together as a country, as a people, where we can go and start educating ourselves, men and women, black, white, doesn't matter, that we got to get along. Because we've been fighting for God knows how long. We've been frustrated, we've been angry, we've been treating each other poorly. We have produced angry people that are going out there breaking hearts, having children out of wedlock and everything else. 
people that have been neglected, people that feel like they are no longer part of society. The downtrodden, you see how Donald Trump was able to get all of those people to support him. Even when he was going on the delusional rant, people still were behind him because they're frustrated and tired of the way things are. There's a reason for that, people. And we need to come to the realization that all of us need to really take a moment, unclench our fist, and start using our minds for a change. So the way you treat your child is going to be reflective and indicative of the way that child's going to grow up. If you start treating, treating your child about hatred and racism, it's not going to really benefit them. If you start treating, treating your child about things such as being this individual that feels as though he's a victim, it's not going to help him in the future. These are all impediments that are built in. And we have to structure ourselves in a way. We have a hell of a lot of personal freedoms, true enough. But we have to structure ourselves in a way where we use them accordingly and can trust each other and work with each other. Will we be able to trust everyone? Hell no. But what I am saying is where we get to a point where we become more civil and we become more accountable and more responsible of the people we impact in our lives. Now, I know this sounds like a utopian ideal, and in some ways, it probably is. But here's the thing. What other alternative do we have? Because apparently everything we've tried in society has failed up to this point. We need men to go and talk to our sons about how they're supposed to interact with police officers. Showing that due respect. Parents have to start setting the example. And instead of saying, because I said so. Set the example where your kid wants to be like you. Where you have a level where you can say, okay, son, I appreciate you wanting to be like me. But here's the thing, I want you to be better than I am. And unfortunately, a lot of kids never got to that point where they could jump off the bridge at that level. So we've got a lot of things to do. We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned, or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes. In the event for professional assistance, please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor or social services professional in your region.
If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.